Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Hugh. And you are listening to That'll Teach You. So last week we took a look at what you can do before the school year starts in terms of setting up your classroom. And we talked about name tags and labels and displays. For today's episode, Jane said to me, Hugh, let's talk about classroom management. And I said, okay. And then you said, what's that? (laughs) Yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) I'm not actually sure I know what it means. But it's one of those things, I'm sure I do it. No, absolutely. But if you ask me to define what classroom management is, I'm not actually sure what it is. So we're more dealing with the space that we're teaching in. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So I suppose there's the physical space, but then there's the routines that you set up in your class um, and it's a funny one I feel like classroom management is something that you know when when you were in college you heard so often in college and I feel like it's almost like there's almost like buzzwords as mm. well that being said it is a very important um, element of even like how you're setting up your classroom and then your first couple of weeks you know your classroom management is very important so yeah I suppose even just like I know you said the physical space but I think routines too how's your physical space <laughs> your routines right now yeah. <laughs> You're very close to me, so... (laughs) Routines, I'm definitely someone. I'm definitely a man of routine, all right. Yeah, Yeah. I do love a routine. I mean, I go... If we're away on holidays and I find a nice restaurant, I go back to it every night, you know? I don't know, is that routine or is that just... I think we're specifically specifically talking about routines in the classroom. No, no, I was just trying to bring a bit of life to this podcast, you know? Try and let them see behind the curtain, see the real people behind the teacher. In class, I would say I'm not brilliant at routines. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, to be honest, because I feel like you subconsciously would be Mm. keeping to routines. Um, And even just like, I suppose in the first few weeks of, or the first few days of um, when you go back to school, I don't know, I, I feel like, well, I suppose it depends on how young the class is. You do have to come down quite heavy on the routines. I feel like if you imagine the infants or first and second class, mm. like, you know, lining up. Jane runs her classroom with military precision. <laughs> I actually do for the first few weeks, because I think it is important for specific children in general, and then as, as a whole, for the children know what's expected of them, because I feel like routines and expectations go hand in hand. Yes. Um... Yeah, routines are kind of an an easy way to show what you expect. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And without also without even explicitly saying it, I suppose. Yeah, and it's something that children are comfortable with. Children like routine, you know. Mm. It comes back to even when you're reading to babies and toddlers and you read the same story over and over again or you play the same music over and over again. They like repetition. So mm. routine is, is good for children. I think children um, really benefit from clear expectations and routines. It's stability, you know, yeah. stability in their lives. And hopefully their lives are reasonably stable, but not all of their lives are, you know? So I think it definitely is a, a helpful thing for them. I suppose in class though, they're the obvious routines. There's mm-hmm. the coming in in the morning, break time, lunch time, mm-hmm. home time. Mm-hmm. What other routines do you have during the day then? But even, you know, if, if the children know that there's going to be a maths lesson or if they know that there's going to be an Irish lesson, how to prepare themselves. Mm-hmm. So like you do you do, you do do a lot of that in the first couple of weeks, um, which is why we wanted to do this podcast episode now, because this is something you can start thinking about, like how you would like the transition period to go or how you would like children to form a bit of independence and get themselves set up. And, you know, that is organizational work that you do have to do in the first few days or the first few weeks of school, I feel like. Yeah. And again, it's it's an opportunity to, you know, to, to praise kids, to kids to set an example. You know, we, we've all said, now look at Jane there, who is ready to go for 
our next lesson. She has everything she needs. So proud. Yeah. What a teacher's pet. What a little suck up. But no, but it's because it's great for that kid. And then other kids might think, oh, well, I want I want to get that praise as well. Absolutely. So I'll get ready. I'll, I'll be ready next time. Or I'll make sure my table is clean. Or that's, to be honest, the best way of keeping your classroom clean is, you know. Making the kids. Says, says Mr. O'Connor, who has <laughs> a very um, <clears throat> messy classroom. <laughs> right. Didn't think we were going to get into that before we even got back to school. My classroom is very tidy at the moment. That's because it's... Never mind, start yeah, of the year. <laughs> because there's no children there. Yeah. yeah. It's much easier than the kids, so therefore they make the mess. Do you want to talk about your desk? No. Can I talk about your desk? Okay. Okay. So Hugh's desk, for as long as I've been in the school with Hugh, Hugh's desk is something of a commodity for all of the staff members and children. Is commodity the word you're looking for? Maybe not. I don't think it is. <laughs> so Hugh's desk is an abomination. <laughs> is an abomination. Um to staff members and children alike. Mm -hmm. So now I have to say, I do really respect the the, the huge stack of um, novels and books, children's books. I do love that element of it. What, how many books do you reckon are in that stack? Maybe like 20 or 30? I'd say 20 or 30. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just a big massive stack of books right beside his keyboard. And then just everything you can imagine, including your kitchen sink all around his keyboard and in every visible space stacked stacked high yeah there is no visible space really no the only visible space is your keyboard and where your mouse is i was my principal actually did comment on it towards the end of the year mm. she did say oh my god yeah, you've got to do something about that the girls in my class commented on it mm. um, and they're not they weren't they're obviously in my class and not Hugh's class so anyways we have digressed a little bit so i don't set a good example to the children that's what you're trying to say we listeners, if you hear this in the in the edit, you know that Hugh has forgiven me for throwing him under the bus. I might uh, we might take photos of my desk and put them up on our on oh, our Instagram. Oh, I see. Hmm, I'll think about that because I don't know if I want to um, if I want to cause that or inflict that pain mm, upon our followers. It's too much. Um, routines. Um, oh, yeah. I suppose another element I think that's, well, for me and any class I've been in, um, I'm a big fan of a visual timetable. So I do think, um, now I don't know, I haven't decided if I'm going to use it this year yet with sixth class, but in the previous classes and even when I was subbing, I would write up on the board or have a visual timetable of the plan for the day. So children know what's expected of them. So in that first, you know, two periods of the day, I might have, you know, English and you know something else like if it's like SPHE or something whatever whatever it is on the visual timetable and even just like I would include movement breaks or sometimes depending depending on what they are if I do think that there's something needed I would include them on the timetable of the day now that being said I, I often and what I find happening is I'll use a visual timetable up until maybe two or three weeks before a break mm. and then I'll just I just won't yeah. Because I do think some children, there are children who really need it, but I also think it's, it's important to have a break from it. So that's what has suited me in the past. Um, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do it in, um, in sixth class, but I, I think it comes back to those expectations. You know, I think when children know what's expected of them, 
even just in preparing themselves for certain lessons you know they really do thrive actually all adults like it's not even just children it's people in general <laughs> yeah and timetabling in general because obviously you'll have your own timetable as well and again it probably won't surprise even though we've only had a few episodes it probably won't surprise you that I drift from my timetable quite a lot but that's fine and that's just the way it goes you know and I think you have to do that you have to do that because you don't know you have a plan for a lesson for a maths lesson then it turns out it goes a totally different way or they need way more help on a particular topic or you need to or it doesn't take you very long I I had a lesson of last year the year before and I started what was meant to be a sort of five to ten minute discussion about a homework piece we'd done on International Women's Day. But you see, that's brilliant. And I would say it went on for an hour and it was amazing. And I was like, I'm just not going to stop this, you know, because the discussion that we had was, well, I mean, if you want to talk curriculum terms, it was your SPHE lesson. It was a history lesson. It was an English lesson. You know, it was all sorts of things. And it was, you know, I would say one of the best lessons I've ever had. And I didn't really do much for it. I didn't plan much for it, but it just happened. So you have to be able to react to it. But yeah, broadly speaking, I think children do benefit from having an idea of what's going to happen during the day. The only thing I would say about a visual timetable is, and I have seen people doing it in other classrooms, I never include a time. Mm. Oh yeah. Because in my head then, you are saying at 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Not 10 p.m. Definitely not 10 p.m. Jane believes (laughs) in a long school day. At 10 a.m. you are starting maths. And the reality is, as Hugh just said, sometimes the lesson prior to that might take 20 minutes extra or might finish 20 minutes early. So I'm I'm not a fan of, or for me anyways, it wouldn't suit me now to be putting down like set times. Yeah, I I would agree. I think you sort of might say, Goelia, maths, break, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever else. And then then see what you come to. The other thing is, and you mentioned sort of movement breaks. Transitions are another thing that get talked an awful lot about when you're going out on placement in college. And I think they're an interesting one because I think when you're when you're on placement, you have this idea that every between every lesson, there has to be this incredible transition, you Mm -hmm. know, and and some teachers and I would say this myself, I would say, oh, I don't know that I necessarily do transitions. We all do transitions. Every lesson, there is a transition between every lesson. It doesn't have to be a go noodle dance. You know, it doesn't have to be a quiz. It doesn't have to be a game of some kind. It could just be getting up and moving around. It it could be anything. So just figure out what works for the kids in your class. Because again, you have best will in the world. You go in with all these wonderful ideas and then you realize actually what my class needs is X, Y, and Z. So that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. And I do feel, um, speaking to NQTs out there, it is nice so I know in my teacher planner I often have um like a back page with some ideas of transitions so some of them would be movement focused and some of them would be mindfulness focused or it could be an oral language game or it could be you know 10 minutes reading your book or what, whatever it is if you do want to use transitions it's good to have a little bank of them and then mm. to assess what those children need at that time sometimes like I, I know the girls in my class last year love to stretch so every now and then in between or even it could, sometimes it could be mid-lesson I'll look at them and they're like we could be doing a maths lesson and they could be all just wilting I do I'll be like right we're having a little stretch break and we'll all get up and we'll end up doing a bit of a stretch and they always think it's a bit, ga- bit, a bit gas but like getting them up out of their chairs yeah. during a transition is always and even if it's just to go get a different book just say, right, we're taking out our Irish book, get up out of your chairs, everyone go get them instead of one person giving them out. Sometimes like that just movement, that 30 seconds of movement is all they need. And I think the other thing that that will tie into your transitions can be when you give different people roles or different people jobs in the classroom. Do you, are you a believer in 
you know, having someone on the blackboard, the blackboard. Like <laughs> How old are you, Hugh? <laughs> I had blackboards in school. Um, how are you on giving jobs? Do you like having someone cleaning the whiteboard, having someone giving out copy books, or does it just depend on the day? Yeah, so ordinarily I would do jobs, and I have done them um, every year I've been teaching. And then every week or every two weeks, or depending, sometimes by the end of the year it could be every month because you're just so... Because it's actually very time-consuming to change jobs. Like If you're doing them weekly... Your first 30 minutes on a Monday could be set, could be spent changing the jobs. Unless maybe it might have been a better idea to just do it myself. Mm. And then... At the weekend. That, yeah, yeah, that possibly would have been a better idea. See, we're always learning. <laughs> but no, I do. I am a fan of jobs. And, I, and you know, even if it's something like watering the plants. You know, because I, I know we have mentioned it. There are a lot of plants in my classroom. So yeah, so I think, I, I think jobs are really important for any age group, to be honest, not even just the, the middle or the older classes, because, you know, it, it, it teaches children to take um, responsibility for their class. Yeah. How do you find, in terms of the actual layout of the room itself, right? Like the way you set out tables, how do you set your, out your table? I have 26 children in my class. And I have got six blocks of tables. Mm. I've got five fours and a six. Mm. And I feel like that's the most generic way to do it these days. That mm-hmm. you just put them in groups of four or about that. Mm-hmm. Have you tried different ones? Have you tried U-shapes around the classroom? Have you tried rows? Have you tried desks of just two? What do you find works? So I would ordinarily do groups as well. I have in the past. So last year, um, coming up to breaks... So your Christmas and your Halloween and the end of year, um, I changed the table formation. So I changed it to rows, but rows, which was the funny thing, rows facing each other, which they loved, but I did not love. <laughs> because obviously they're like, hey, hey, friend, what are you doing? <laughs> um, as you would be, as I would be. Imagine if we were sitting in rows <laughs> during a meeting. I'd be like, hey, you. <laughs> Like giving you an eyebrow. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and I've u- and I've used use as well, which which are great. They they see like anything. Children love. I know. I know. I've been saying the importance of routines, but they also love a break from their routines. Yeah, and it, they love just being different because even if you put, let's say you're doing drum conjure tests and you put your desks, you have individual desks then. There's always the kids who are like, oh, can we stay like this? Mm. Now, maybe it's because they don't want to sit beside anyone. They love having their own desk, which I can totally Absolutely, relate to. yeah. <laughs> but then it's also, it's just something different. It's like, you know, if a visitor comes into your class or even if another teacher comes down, it can be quite disheartening how responsive they are to them in a way that maybe they aren't always to you. I know, you're like, hey, I thought you loved me. But yeah, so I think, and again, look, it feels like everything we say, the balance, the balance between oh, routine absolutely. and change, the balance between flexibility and inflexibility, the balance between proactive and reactive, you know, it's all, it's all about that. But it's, it's so funny though, because sometimes I think about other jobs and I just wonder, do you have to just, is that, is that the case in every job that you just go into your work day and like, right, let's see what's going to happen today. Like, let's see what, what's, what's going to be thrown at me today and what we're going to have to change or what we're going to have to adapt. Like, do you think that's the case yeah. for all jobs? <laughs> I think it, based on the jobs I've had, yes. Because it depends on who's... Yeah, you read a barrister. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to prison today? Um, probably my client. Yeah, well, I think it always depends on, you know, someone sends you an interesting email. In this case, our emails just come vocally from eight-year-olds. You know, who are sitting in front of us. That's true. That is Um, true. The groups are interesting, though, because when you have kids sitting in groups, 
I suppose you have to be careful that you don't always have them working in those groups. Oh, you absolutely. You know, you want to be mixing up your groups a lot. And even if you change, well, how often do you change your tables? Um, every couple of weeks, I, I'd have to. I, I feel like I do it probably a lot more than a lot of other teachers, but I don't know. Now, I suppose it just depends on the class, but some some groups, you need to change them more often mm. because, and especially near the end of the year. Did you find during the end of the year you had to change them more often? Were they sick of each other? They were. That definitely happens. We'll talk about We'll talk about the summer term in a few months' time. But yeah, I think it's interesting though, because I change them sort of every four weeks I would say Um, and I haven't really had a problem with that there was a setup though I had at one point the year before last and it just worked so well and it seemed to work well for everyone that I left it ages you know yeah I think as well for group work like I know well actually maybe that's another episode but I like to have children working so even if if they're sitting at groups I tend to have them working in pairs or with other groups. So I would never put them, like if, if there's an opportunity for group work that doesn't involve them sitting at their table, which is a lot of like, you know, actually a lot of opportunity for that. I tend to put them in different groups so that they're not sick of the people they're, they're working with. Yeah, I think that's really important, all right? Because it's very easy. And listen, I certainly do this. It's very easy to say work in your table group on that. You just don't want to do it for everything. No, no, not everything. And, not, and you, know, you, you do it for a lot, but yeah, just not everything. Yeah. And I think another part of classroom management as well is even just how you give your instructions. So like, I think that falls under how you're managing your day to day. So I know we spoke a little bit about the layout and, you know, just your classroom, the physical classroom. But I think even just like how you um, you introduce your lessons and how you um, set up whatever the content is of that lesson. I think um, just giving very clear instructions um, that are easy to follow and obviously this depends on what class you have you could have the infants and you're giving one instruction at a time <laughs> instead of giving six instructions or you can have the older classes who you might put the instructions up on the wall up up on the board so then they can work at their own pace yeah absolutely and i suppose another area would be behavior now i think we are going to do a podcast or an episode on behavior itself so I suppose just rewarding the behavior you're looking for. And I suppose that falls under expectations as well, like routines, yeah. expectations, behavior. And, you know, you can do it in a very positive way where like every day you're rewarding the um, behavior that you expect. And even as Hugh was saying earlier, as something like, oh, you know, oh, look at you. Like you got yourself all ready and, you know, <laughs> first one ready and <laughs> whatever else you might say about that. Yeah, it's that thing of. That's something we've used in, in another place I've I've done work with and I'm sure some people will recognize describe label praise, you know. Mm. So and that's that's a good it's a good sort of model to uh, to work with for that. I actually think children no more than routines appreciate knowing where those boundaries are oh, in the absolutely. classroom. You know? Because yeah. it shows shows you care about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Children want to know that you're, you know, there to help support them and sometimes that is you know giving out to them (laughs) when they've done something unacceptable so Hugh do you feel like you know a little bit more about classroom um, management now or are you still like what is that (laughs) I think I do right now (laughs) but if you ask me again what I would actually like for anybody who's who's just come out of college or for anyone who's in college at the moment doing one of the uh, teacher training courses let us know what what are your lecturers saying about classroom management what do they say about it you know i'm interested to know or or what new big topics are there you know there's all these things that yeah you get told in in college that maybe are slightly different when you get to school but um 
Yeah, no, I think I, I think I have. I think you've educated me, Jane. Hmm. And and if there's anything that you feel like we have missed out on, please let us know. So we'll be posting up on our Instagram. Please send us a message if there's anything that we've missed out on, because that's just our idea of classroom management. Yeah. And sure, listen, we don't really actually know what's going on at all. <laughs> no. But yeah, thanks for listening and do get in touch. Let us know what you think about this. Please ask us questions. We will have a couple of episodes about going back to school. Um, and very excitingly, we will have a very special guest that, if you can hear by my voice, I am beyond thrilled about welcoming to the podcast. So you'll have to keep posted about that. I can't uh, give any spoilers just yet, but uh, I am fangirling over this uh, this Instagram teacher. So yeah, so make sure you um, click follow. Is that something people do? Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> make sure you follow along. And yeah, you can hear me fangirling over this account. Please, yeah, follow follow our account. Also follow Jane's at The Mindful Teacher. And you can also pick up some resources there. Like, like your to. visual timetable. Like Please visual time leave table. a review. Your feedback is really important. We are very excited about this podcast. We would like to hear how um, you feel about it. Send us a message. Send us any questions you have. And please tell other teachers or other student teachers about the podcast. Parents maybe might be interested as well. Yeah, so that we can all learn some new things. Yeah, I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning every day with teaching. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best part about the job. Okay. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.